The Seoul Forest Jazz Festival is taking place this weekend with seasonal conditions apt and outdoor social distancing restrictions all lifted. The anticipation around the annual music event runs high. So this morning, naturally, we thought it might be appropriate to invite a renowned Austrian cellist ready to take center stage at this very event. You may recognize him from his original performances on the popular TV show Superband 2. We're joined by Seoul Daniel Kim via Zoom. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. Thank you so much for joining us so bright and early. Is this your normal working hours? <laughs> oh, yeah. Lately, I've started to wake up very early. <laughs> so ah, it's okay. Great. I'm glad we share the hours. It's brutal. But when you get up earlier, I suppose you get more done. And this is a busy time for you. It turns out a lot of these events are returning in the aftermath of the worst of the pandemic. Before we get to that, Daniel, if you don't mind, it seems that we have to start with your background. You have an extraordinary background. The kind that from afar seems more likely to inspire a professional career in music. You're born and raised in Austria. Your mother was an opera singer in Vienna. I know that might be a narrative fallacy, but it makes me believe, yeah, that's a natural course of life. Tell us more about your childhood and your start as a cellist. Yeah, so uh, I was born and raised in Vienna, Austria, as you said. And I was actually very lucky because both my parents just... um, met there. That's why I was born there. And since my mother was an opera singer, I naturally was just exposed to music from the get-go when I was born. So I think that was the the jump start Mm -hmm. into my way of doing music. And yeah, I mean, I think my my special childhood was that I was born and raised in a Korean household, Mm -hmm. but I went to school with people from Austria. So I was raised bilingually. Mm. So I'm actually fluently fluent in Korean and German. Ah, you're trilingual. You're speaking to me in English. So you really do have the best <laughs> of three worlds, it seems. Uh, thank you. Uh, Daniel, I, I, I can already sense that you're going to take the humility vote. Don't do that because we have to talk up your career to get everybody on the same board. Honestly, I grew up <laughs> with parents who are engineers. Doesn't mean I was exposed to engineering. Look at what I do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool being on radio. <laughs> uh, sure. It, it comes with perks. I'm talking to you this morning and that's really exciting for me. The thing is, I do think the arts is really unique in that you have to be born in a particular setting, in some cases with a lot of talent to get a jump start so early on, which is exactly how you got your start. You decided to become a cellist at the age of six. Of six, exactly. Yes, 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 exactly. And um, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, Basically, I was I was sent to a music school at the age of four because my, my mother wanted to test if I had actually any talent in music because you can never be sure. So uh, after two years, uh, being there and just learning about basic stuff in music, uh, they asked us if, if I want to play any music instrument or if mm-hmm. I want to continue. And that's when I started picking up the cello, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. The thing is, how does one discover that they have a, a special talent in music at the age of six and then nine? You're accepted to the University of Music and Performing Arts in Vienna at the age of nine. How is that even possible? Oh, yeah. Um, good question, actually. <laughs> I mean, I think it com- all comes down to just having fun at what you do. Um, that's, uh, that's That was the case with me. I mean, uh, I wasn't forced by my parents to do music. They just... Uh, 
asked me if you if you, do you want to continue or not and i was like yeah i have fun i have fun doing that mm-hmm. and um Actually, I was I wanted to play the violin or the piano when I was six, and uh, in school they asked us like what kind of instrument do you want to play, and I was sitting like at the center, mm-hmm. and they started from the left, so like eighteen people in front of me said violin or piano, so I was like okay that's gonna be boring if I if I join them, so I'm gonna take something that nobody took, so that was apparently the cello. <laughs> For someone who would go on to have a professional career as a cellist, that's a really interesting start, to say the least. You thought it would be boring to say the same answer as your friends or, yes, or, or students. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be different. I think that started like at that at that age already. Like being different than the others was a very important thing for me. Which might bring me to one of the questions about your collaboration with a, a Kayagum player, because that in itself is, I think, a pretty unique venture. We'll get to that in just a moment. But before that, was there an occasion or maybe even a particular momentum that sparked your interest in it, not just becoming a cellist, but keeping up a cellist? I'm sure along the course of studying it, you might have thought, should I have chosen the violin? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it all started... At the age of nine, um, when I actually joined the university, I was performing arts in Vienna because that was the time when I thought to myself, okay, I've already studied three years of my life, cello, which was a lot back then for me. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, okay, that's that, that's it now. That's that's what I have to do for the rest of my life. And I'm actually very happy about that decision. Um, at the age of eighteen, I was like. Uh, shortly for a short time period I was thinking maybe I should change majors into medicine Mm. but then I thought okay music music is a way to to make a lot of people happy at the same time if you're a doctor you're also helping out people Mm. but you have to do it one at a time and music is uh, has this special power to make a lot of people happy at the same time so that's when I that's that's the reason why I stick with music I'm failing to see the connection. How do you go from pursuing music to medicine? Was that in the interest of helping others or inspiring others, do you think? Um, I think it was just out of out of curiosity because um, mm. back then uh, there was this one um, American drama called House MD. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> and I was a big fan of that. And I'm a big fan of Hugh Laurie as well, uh, mm. the actor. Mm. So I think that was uh, that was what spiked the interest in medicine actually for me, and I started like um, studying stuff mm. um, aside from school stuff for medicine, but still um, there was this uh, thought that um, helping out people every day one at a time mm. that's not enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> You wanted to reach a wider audience. And I guess what better way to do that than with music? You know, Daniel, I'm seeing this great sense of freedom as you speak about your your, your trials and and your triumphs. And I wonder if that's your upbringing, particularly in Vienna. Um, Some might be, because I'm even inspired by your your speech today saying, you know, I tried medicine because out of curiosity. No no one says that, Daniel. It's it's hard work. It's, It's strenuous. It's years of commitment to one type of education but anyway there's a great deal of freedom do you think that's something that's unique to your upbringing in Vienna particularly I think so I mean um, 
You know, the thing is that um, since I was raised uh, there, there mm-hmm. was no particular pressure about what major I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Like everybody there in school is just like, whatever, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm figuring it out while I'm, I'm, I'm growing up. So people like uh, took years of pause after, after doing their um, final exams from mm-hmm. high school mm-hmm. to just discover what they actually want to do, which is great, I think. I mean, you don't have to be pressured into something that you actually don't know if you want to continue for the rest of your life. Mm. So I think this kind of freedom that you get from Mm. this society there is Mm. quite nice. Mm. I took one gap year after high school and that almost gave both my parents a heart attack. So (laughs) (laughs) to each their own. Can you tell our listeners about your work since arriving in Korea? When did you first begin performing here and what inspired you to come? Um, So I think my first stage in Korea was back in 2017 with my duo Shalom Diagram. Like we were invited for this Asian Pacific music meeting, Mm -hmm. which was part of the Ulsan Music World Festival. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then, I had a connection with Korea and I was like coming every year for Mm -hmm. some stuff Mm -hmm. and concerts. But coming to Korea to live was because of the pandemic, actually. Like back in 2020, when the pandemic really spiked and started like going all over the world, right. um, all my concerts were canceled back in Berlin when I was when I was still living there, and I had nothing to do. Like I was just sitting in my room, being depressed and sad. And I thought, okay, well, my partner, my duo partner, is living in Korea. So I should just take the time and the opportunity to write songs. Mm. So I just took the plane on two days later and came here. And luckily, um, despite the pandemic, still people wanted to like uh, have us with concerts uh, over the air. Mm. So that's when my career started in Korea mm. and I decided to stay. You decide to stay. Uh, did you stay for the large part of this pandemic in Seoul, if I'm not mistaken? Um, I basically never left. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Daniel, it's it, I'm realizing that it takes a great deal of courage to make these career moves, whether it was intentional or not, whether it was what was happening at the time that forced you to make this decision, because you're talking about a time when people are afraid to travel. No one was taking yeah. the plane early 2020, yet you decided, hey, my partner... <laughs> <laughs> yes, is exactly. in Korea. So I'm gonna fly there. Why not? I, I got to say that's 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 a really unique brand of courage, because you already alluded to. It, can you tell us a little bit about the duo? At uh, it's known as the Cello Kayagim. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. He doubles yes. with uh, Yun Dayong, who is on the Kayagim. It's it's from afar a pretty unique project group that bridges the east and the west. How did you two first form the duet? And maybe you can tell us about what seems to be an experimental journey. Um, we met each other uh, back in 2016 in Berlin, actually, um, through a concert. And um, during our rehearsals, we were like talking to each other and thinking, maybe we should jam together and do something together just for fun. And that's how our first um, piece came to life, which is called Dreamlike Fantasy. And it was supposed to be just a one-time thing. But people around us were like, 
this sound, this piece sounds so cool. You should you should continue. And because of that, we 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 thought, okay, let's just let's just try out some stuff. Let's write more music, and if people still like it, mm. let's make a let's make a duo. And that's how our duo actually came to life. Actually, one of the songs that we're going to play at the end of the show is titled "Tokpung." Picnic, but it's spelled oh, in a yeah. most peculiar way. Uh, I'm going to go on, <laughs> on a limb and ask, why is it not the regular spelling of picnic? Oh, because I thought um, the the first time when I spelled out picnic uh, was in the French way, ah. and I thought that that looks very nice, <laughs> and that looks a little bit different since our since our project is a little bit different. I thought it's good to have a different name. I kind of love that it's so multicultural because you're bringing the cello and the kayagim together. So there is that obvious east and the west. And then you spelled picnic in the French way. Cover all <laughs> bases. I got you. Uh, <laughs> it turns you. out in a past interview, you said that the cello kayagim helped you find the musical voice that you had been searching for. What is that musical voice and how did you come about that discovery? Yeah, the thing uh, is that when you're studying classical music, you're basically forced into uh, studying music that was written like 300, 200, 100 years ago. And you're stuck with that. Like you're studying that for the rest of your life, basically. <laughs> and I thought like that's, first of all, that was not enough for me. I was I was like, yeah, I what can I contribute as an artist if already there are so many recordings out there from so many great artists? Um, so finding your musical voice is like as an instrumentalist it's even more difficult because as a singer you have a very unique characteristic of your vocal cords mm -hmm. um so for example everybody recognizes maria caras or everybody recognizes parvarati but i was thinking i want to i want to be recognizable but i cannot do that only through the sound of the cello because like cellos are sounding of course different Right. but not as different as the human voice. So I thought maybe I should try to write my own songs, but I never had the courage to do that mm -hmm. because um, like there is this mentality, how dare you? There is Mozart, there's uh. Brahms, there's Schumann. How dare you to try to mimic something that they did? But uh, when I met Tayong, mm -hmm. I finally found the courage to do that, to, to write my own songs. And that's actually how I how I found my own voice. Uh, I mean, that's why you guys are an invincible duet, it turns out. Uh, there is a sense of, you're right, taking something classic and turning a modern spin on it, or even these cross-cultural collaborations. Of course, yeah. there are traditionalists, but not everyone has to be. And that, I think, is really inspiring. The last question of the day, unfortunately, because we're quickly running out of time. Goodness, uh, your future plans and goals for one, the Seoul Forest Just Festival is taking place this weekend. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I'm going to play with uh, singer-songwriter Jay Yuna on the 8th of October at the Seoul Jazz Festival. And it's basically a collaboration between me and him, and we are rearranging some of his songs so that the cello can fit in nicely. Uh, and um, other than that, I'm also having a Spain tour coming up uh, in November, mm. and we are also going to release our second album in October. 
Oh, wow. Okay, so busy, busy months ahead. Congratulations. Yes. Looking forward to it. And thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me here. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.